Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 106 of Yogaland. Today, my guest is Rachel Yellen. Rachel is a yoga teacher. She specializes in prenatal yoga, uh, restorative yoga, and yoga on the ropes. She's also a childbirth educator, and she has a private therapy practice in depth hypnosis. Rachel's also a close personal friend of mine. She is one of my very first friends in San, from San Francisco. She's moving, but she was one of my first friends here. And I have been looking for someone to talk to for some time who combines different jobs to create their career in the yoga field. And Rachel is just the absolute perfect person. She has been teaching for a long time, but she's never been, you know, on the travel teaching circuit. She's not super active in social media. She does have her own newsletter, but she's not like an Instagram star or anything like that. And yet she's really successful at what she does. And she also sees how all of the different pieces relate to each other, both from a business perspective. In other words, you know, her prenatal classes used to feed her doula practice when she was a doula. And being a doula would then sometimes people would give her referrals to their friends to take her yoga classes. So so there's this really efficient way that her different jobs relate to each other and, and feed each other. And then there is what she describes as the core of the different jobs relate to each other because they're all about presence. So I think this is a really inspiring episode in talking to someone who's been doing this for a long time, been in the field for a long time, still loves it, still feels like it's her purpose and has made it work for her life. That's what I want for everyone out there is to just put all the pieces of your life together so that they work for you and they're complementary and they support you in being who you are. So I hope you enjoy this interview. One quick bit of housekeeping. If you are not yet on our newsletter list, or if you didn't update your profile in the last few weeks, go jump on our list. Go to our homepage, jasonyoga.com, and click the subscribe button and enter all the information. It's just your email address. And then twice a month, we will send you a newsletter that will give you updates on Jason's schedule any new teacher trainings or retreats he's offering, as well as original blog content created by yours truly, Jason and I. Okay, enjoy the interview. Hi, Rachel. Hello. I'm so happy to have you here in my house for this podcast. I am so happy to be here. I it's a long time coming. I know. I actually can't believe how long it's taken us, but given like our schedules and our lives, I can believe it. There are so many things I want to talk to you about today, but... For starters, I want people to see an example of a person who has been doing and practicing and teaching yoga for a really long time and has made it work in their life. And I feel like you've made a career out of it and you've drawn in other jobs, like you have multiple jobs, not just being a yoga teacher and you do that really well. So, and also... You're not heavy into social media or the travel circuit of yoga teachers, and you're successful, which is great. So let's just start by you telling everyone what it is that you do, like all of the different parts of your job. 
It's amazing. As you started to talk, I started to well up a little bit with tears, you know, thinking about, you know, where, where I started and how, how everything evolved. And so I'd love to share that. But what I do now is in addition to teaching yoga, my thing is really prenatal yoga and yoga on the ropes. Although I've taught lots of different kinds of yoga over the years. I am a childbirth educator. I was a doula for a really long time. And now I teach these very robust in-person and live online classes. And I also have a private therapy practice in something called depth hypnosis. That's D-E-P-T-H. And depth hypnosis is an alternative type of therapy that combines hypnotherapy techniques with Buddhism, shamanism, and transpersonal psychology. So I, I do that in person and also live online. And then I also make audio relaxation recordings. Um, I have a program, a very robust program called Pregnancy, Birth, and Beyond from my Yes to Birth practice. And so that that helps women and their partners prepare for pregnancy, birth, po postpartum, and yeah. forever. And then I also make other audio relaxation recordings for people who are not pregnant to help with all different kinds of things like meditation, anxiety, learning to love yourself. And some of those are, you know, like three minutes and some of them are, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And so I help people all in that same realm of relaxation and honoring yourself and learning how to love yourself and how to manage the fluctuations in your daily, in your daily experience. Yeah. Yeah. You, I did your childbirth class mm -hmm. back when I was pregnant, which was awesome. And <laughs> not just because you're my friend, it was actually more awesome because I think I was, pro I, I think because I've been friends with you for so long, if it hadn't been amazing, I would have potentially in my head been a little harder on you. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. it was so good. You are so knowledgeable. And, um, I did your audio recordings when I was pregnant and it was like the best thing <laughs> ever. I would do them to fall asleep because it's, I remember toward the end of pregnancy, it was really hard to fall asleep. I would yeah. just snore really loud and I would be afraid of snoring and waking Jason up and I couldn't breathe and you can't really lay comfortably. Oh my God. So <laughs> totally. crazy. And so that was like my salvation was, was listening to your voice. When you started Oh yeah. I want to talk about, cause I think it's just so cool that you did your first teacher training out in the avenues. I did. Yeah. So when did you do your first teacher training and who were your teachers? It's such a, such a great question. So the first time I ever did yoga ever in my life, I was traveling in Asia and I went to a, a silent retreat at Wat Swanmok can't believe I remember the name. Yeah. <laughs> I went to Watswanmok and there was a woman from Australia and she said, if anyone wants to come to yoga at like four o'clock in the morning. And I was like, oh, you know, I live in, you know, I'm living in San Francisco. I better you know, try this yoga thing. And I loved it. I really, really loved it. And when I came back from, from Thailand, I was living out in the outer sunset in San Francisco. And somebody said to me, you know, you live a block away from the Iyengar Yoga Institute. I and I said, that. what the Iyeng what? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And there was a free class with Janet McLeod um, every Wednesday morning. Janet taught a class. And so I started going to that class. You know, I was 26 and had like no money. And, and I started going to that class and I went very, very regularly until I uh, really what, what ultimately happened is I had, you know, I started having a lot of anxiety problems and I was having some depression and I started going to yoga regularly and it really was a place where I 
could just be totally present and focus and concentrate and start to tend to my body in a different way. So I ended up doing their, you know, two-year yes. teacher training program. It's like no one does two-year teacher Big training time. programs anymore. I did their two-year teacher training program and it was, it was intense. Yeah. You know, it was very intense. There were parts about it that I absolutely loved. I really respect the program. Yeah. I loved it. Are they still out there, by the way, in that studio no. space? Okay. No, they moved into a different studio and space. Did, was Judith a part of that? I remember Janet McLeod was a really big influential teacher for Judith you. Judith taught workshops. Okay. So like I did my prenatal yoga teacher training with Judith okay. and I did my restorative teacher training with Judith. So I did a lot of trainings with Judith. Okay. But she wasn't part of like the core teachers. It was uh, Ben Thomas and Kathy Aleph oh, and... Yeah. Kofi Busia? No. No. Okay. Mm -mm. Okay. There were some great, you know, there were some, you know, Pat Layton talked all about, you know, like Ayurveda and I mean, yeah. it, was a, it was a good, it was a good group. Right. It was a good group. It was intense. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course I loved all the philosophy. I know I loved reading the Bhagavad Gita and I thought the anatomy was amazing. They actually had us go to a cadaver lab. Oh, cool. And, which was incredible. I yeah. mean, when do you get to do that? So there was a tremendous amount of learning. Yeah. I really loved it. I mean, I can say more, but. When you graduated from the program, did you go through the steps to become certified? No. Okay. I, about maybe four to six months before the training was over, I started to get pretty antsy. Mm -hmm. I started to feel a, a um, something was missing. Something was missing for me in terms of the emotional and the psychological piece. Hmm. I started to feel like there was a, a tremendous amount of rigidity within the system mm. that I was already, I already struggled with rigidity in my life and feeling like I have to be just so and mm -hmm. do it just right. And, you know, what are people going to think of me? You know, just how I grew up and how people are going to look at me and how are people going to see me? And, and it felt like I was narrowing and I started to feel like, I don't know if I want to continue to even graduate. And I said, Rachel, come on now, you know, just you're in the program. It's been this long. It's been this long. You need to finish it. But when I was presented with how the certification process happens, it repelled me. And I didn't, I didn't want to be a certified Iyengar yoga teacher. I mm -hmm. love my training. Mm -hmm. I feel like my training, you know, to me, Iyengar yoga is the grammar of yoga. It's, it's essential, you know, to stay safe and to know what's going on in your body. And to me, once you learn the grammar, then you write poetry. Mm -hmm. So after I graduated, I did graduate. And um, after I graduated, I just started doing lots of other kinds of trainings. For example, I went to, to work with Angela Farmer. And I was like, oh, my God, she's gyrating yeah. in her downward dog. And she's, you know, it wasn't like vinyasa, you know, but it was just this, this fluid. And it felt far more expansive for me. And I needed that. Yeah, that makes total sense. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, so Jason's primary teacher was Rodney. And I think Rodney went through something similar to what you're describing. I feel like, I hope I'm not going to get this wrong. Anybody who wants to ask Rodney can write to me if I'm getting this wrong. But the story that I remember is that he didn't get his certification because he didn't want to do shoulder stand with the blankets exactly the way they wanted him to. And he was like, okay, forget it. Because, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I can, that, that is, you know, everything has its its pros and cons. And that is one of the downsides of being in a system that is so systematized. Right. Yeah. And it works for some people. And right. 
So that, but that's really was courageous of you to be at that point, right? You're graduating and having that certification would have meant that you could have taught at that studio or you could have had any number of job opportunities open to you and you chose not to do that. So, so what did you do next? Like how, I can't remember. I mean, we, we've known each other this whole time, but mm -hmm. what was it like for you when you first started teaching? And then I know that the next kind of component that you added was becoming a doula. Mm -hmm. What drew you to that? So I finished the teacher training in 2002 and I started teaching right away. And I actually taught at the Iyengar Yoga Institute their, you know, their student classes. And that was amazing. That was an amazing experience. And I did feel well supported and the students were great. And, and it came really naturally to me, you know, being a teacher. Mm -hmm. Everything converged at once. I had I attended the births. I have three sisters, and I attended the births of one of my nieces from one sister, and then a year later, one of my nephews from a different sister. Mm. And those two experiences were very, very powerful. Huh. And so I was practicing yoga regularly, and I went to those births, and there was a woman there at the second birth who said, you should be a doula. And I said, I should do what? I had no idea what a doula was. <laughs> a doula For those of you that don't know, a doula is a professional childbirth assistant. Right. So I came back to, I, I had been in Chicago for the birth. And when I came back to San Francisco, I said something to somebody about it. And they said, oh, do you know Abigail? She is a parent. She's a parent. I was working at a school doing fundraising and development. And they said, oh, she's she's a midwife and she does the doula training in San Francisco. So I spoke to her and I thought, oh, how interesting. How how cool is that? And I decided to do the doula training because I needed I, I couldn't do it, be a development director and do fundraising for the rest of my life. And when I when I decided to do the doula training, it was being a doula is a natural extension of being a yoga teacher. Because the amount of presence that you need, you need to be completely focused. Mm -hmm. You need to be completely relaxed. Mm -hmm. You need to know what's arising within yourself in order to help the mother be, you know, connected to her experience. You need to, the pranayama is essential mm -hmm. for birthing. It was just, it was like, oh, this totally goes together. Mm -hmm. And after my doula training, I took the prenatal yoga teacher training and I became a prenatal yoga teacher along with being a doula simultaneously. And my career really took off mm -hmm. because I would meet people in my prenatal yoga classes that would want me to be their doula. And then, of course, I would meet people in the doula world who would say, oh, now I can get to know you better as my doula because I can see you more frequently as as my yoga teacher. Right. So okay. I built much stronger connections with the women that I was working with and the outcomes of, you know, the moms who were taking my prenatal yoga classes and had me as their doula, their birth experiences were better. And I really saw the way that yoga makes an enormous difference huh. in birthing. <clears throat> in Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, I could talk. All, I could talk all day about that. Because um, I went, I got pregnant having already done yoga for so long mm -hmm. that it was really hard for me to tell how much it benefited me or not. In mm -hmm. my, well, that's not true. There was one point in my giving birth where I was like, "Oh yeah, I got this." Like actually, right before I got the epidural. Yeah. When I was just like four days of labor and so much pain, and 
everyone was like, whoa, she's in the zone. Mm -hmm. But that was the only, that was the only point. Other than that, I was a mess. <laughs> but you would, if, if you had not had that experience, you know, within you, you wouldn't have done four days of labor. Yeah, that's you true. Wouldn't, you wouldn't, the likelihood that you would have committed yourself to doing everything possible yeah. to have a low intervention birth. I mean, you did everything possible to have a low intervention birth. And because you had the self-awareness, because you had the focus, because you had the, the practice, you knew when you were done. I did. You knew when you I were did. done. Yeah. Even though it wasn't like it, there was no emergency when you decided that. You were very clear within yourself. And that's what yoga does. You learn with yoga how to, how to know yourself better. Mm-hmm. And not take anybody else's. I mean, you could have had somebody standing over you being like, no, 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 it's not time yet. Just a little longer. Oh my you, God, they tried. They tried. And it's funny, like, yeah. you know, because I was at a hospital that's very low intervention, which is what I wanted. And I can remember the midwife. I can't remember her name right now, but I remember her saying like, honey, I just want to remind you of your birth plan, which is her job. And I was just like, no, right. we're done. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> and that comes from a practice of knowing who you are and knowing what you need and knowing what's right for you. Yeah. One of a, a coach that I saw many years ago, Elizabeth Rutherford, she's amazing. She told me we were in a session one time and she, she taught me this concept of being self-referred. Being self-referred is knowing what you think, what you feel, what you want before you consult with anybody else. And huge, which is huge. And one of the problems that for me in yoga uh, was that notion that somebody else is going to be telling me how long to hold this pose or how to do it, you know, if it doesn't feel right for me. And, you know, I remember learning, you know, from my yoga practice that really yoga is meant to be taught one on one. And that's one of the things that is for me. I have a lot of inflammation in my body. I have other, you know, physical issues that create challenges in my body and learning that concept of being self-referred is so incredibly, is so incredibly essential for knowing what's right for you. It's like we were just talking about, you know, before we, we, we got on the, got on the show, <laughs> um, you know, just about learning how our bodies are changing yeah, and what we need. And when you go to a class where the teacher's like, you have to do it this way and you have to do it that way you lose your sense of yourself. But what happens as you become a more seasoned yoga practitioner and you become more self-referred, and this is the essence of my teaching in my yoga classes, in my childbirth classes, in my private therapy practice, this is what I teach is how do you learn who you are and what you need and what's right for you independent of what the internet is telling you or what, you know, whoever is your best friend, you. your dad, mm -hmm. your, yeah, it's so true. And how do you sit with yourself and your own choices and say to yourself, you know, this, somebody once said to me, if you're right with God and you're right with yourself, just carry on. And I was like, okay, what do you mean by that? And so whatever substitute God for whatever, yeah. you know, whatever you want, Nature, but you know, yeah. exactly. If you're, if you look to, you know, like a higher source and you say, am I aligned? Am I in integrity? And that, you know, kind of higher source, that sense of consciousness is like, you're all good. Mm -hmm. And then with yourself, you're like, yeah, I'm totally right with myself. Then you just, <laughs> you got to like, move. On. It's you, so true. You just have to move on. I think this is something that like, really attracted me to Jason in the beginning is that he, I don't really know. Well, I, I have some sense of how he got to be this way, but 
I think when I met him, you know, we were friends for a long time. He was already there. Like he was already like, I'm just doing it my way and it's fine. I'm fine the way I'm doing it. And I was always seeking outside advice, counsel, validation from anyone and everyone. I was like, TMI queen. And it's taken me so long to get to that place. I wonder if it's a little bit of a male, female thing, not that men are different, but that our culture, like men are taught to trust themselves more earlier. Or I don't know. I have a lot I I can say about that. So I've done a lot of studies with um, a woman named Allison Armstrong, who has a website called understandingmen.com. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and in my therapy practice, I mean, I, re- I started working with her because I was not having fulfilling relationships. And I thought to myself, okay, I'm the common denominator in my life. Right. And maybe if I understood men better, and maybe I would understand myself better and I'd have better relationships. And she actually talks about how the masculine and the feminine really are different. And she talks about how, now, of course, there's all different kinds of differences and it's not all men are this way and all women are this way. Right. I want to be really clear about that. And there's people but, who are like on a spectrum of gender too. Ex- yeah. Of course, of course. So she, one of the things that she talks about is how women have an internal voice. It's an idealized woman who's sitting on their shoulder all the time who is like, I don't want to say nagging, but kind of, a little bit of nagging. Like there's this little voice in there going, you should be better. You should be better. And we are historically, because of our cave woman ancestry, we are naturally, we want to please or avoid displeasing. Mm-hmm. So it be, be in order to stay with the tribe, right? If you think caveman, cave woman, the cave woman was dependent on caveman to keep safe and, yeah. you know, to have her food and she could, you know, go pick berries with her friends, but she really needed the men to go hunting. Yeah. So this little internalized voice, you know, Allison talks about how men don't have men, that men don't have that, that women, we, we compare ourselves to some ideal perfect person who doesn't even exist versus that men will often, they'll often, if they're comparing themselves to anyone, it's actually a real human being that they totally respect and admire Hmm. and that it's easier for men to just kind of go off and do their own thing because they're not as concerned about staying fitting in with the tribe. Yeah. Yeah. So it does make it, I think it, it is harder. And I have no, I mean, I notice that within myself all the time that I have to really work to not care what people think of me. Yeah. I have to care, you know, I have to work hard to, to say, okay, what's right for me and how do I do this? And it's still something that I have to work on, especially, you know, coming from, you know, I have, like I said, three sisters and I'm the youngest of four and, you know, fitting in with the tribe, you know, the Jewish tribe. Yeah. And it's and your in, dad was like the leader of the tribe. My dad was the leader of the tribe. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's a rabbi. Right? Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. So in the context of yoga, you know, we can very much get pulled into doing it perfectly, doing it right, being, you know, hard on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that is, is, you know, what I'm teaching in the, in all the different things that I do is really about this notion of being self-referred. It's like women in labor. There's no right or wrong way to have a baby. Mm-hmm. It's can you birth the way that your baby needs you to birth? Can you be tuned into your baby and make choices that are centered around the around the baby, move your stuff kind of to the side and respond to your baby's needs? Yeah. And that looks a lot of different ways. That is so nice. I mean, that's such a good message because that's the first moment of parenting 
I can't believe how much I've changed since I become a parent. I knew that I would, everyone tells you, but I may be repeating myself on this podcast, but you know, becoming a parent and then just a few years later having cancer were like two vital things that had to happen to me for me to trust myself and make decisions for myself and my family and say, screw the rest. Like it was just the first time that I understood that I had the ability to, to tune in and figure out what me and my family needs. It, and it's just so, it's so liberating when that and happens. You're, and you're so much happier. Yeah, it's I unbelievable. I know, right? <laughs> it's really amazing, actually. <laughs> I know. To see. Yeah. I know. It's crazy. So one thing that you were talking about was the things that you brought from, you know, that, that, that we bring from yoga, you know, into become, into being a doula. I also wonder about your ability to empathize, but still have boundaries. To me, that seemed like such a huge part of, of being a doula is like, every woman's different. Every birth is different. You have to be able to get in there and understand in some really intuitive way what's going on. But then you have to also not deplete yourself completely because you have another birth like two weeks later or a week later or whatever or it is. Six hours later. Six hours later. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's so much that I can say about that, but I learned to, well, <laughs> initially I didn't know. Initially I really did deplete myself. You know, I, I gave so much and the level of presence that I had was beyond was totally beyond I really gave everything and I did I did really deplete myself and what I learned later on is I learned a a few things so the first three years I was just going to births and then I became aware that something was not okay in the in that only like 50% of my clients who wanted to have a natural birth were having natural births and Mm. I was like okay something is wrong here So I discovered hypnobirthing and I did that hypnobirthing training. And when I started teaching, so for those that don't know, hypnobirthing is an official curriculum and there's a hypnobirthing institute and you get go and you get trained and you get certified and they hand you this course and they say, teach this. So when I did that, I taught the official hypnobirthing curriculum for about a year. And I noticed that my natural birth rate went from like 45% to probably 70%. Wow. Which was huge. Wow. It was really, really huge. The techniques and the philosophy and hypnobirthing, which is really just, you know, people get all weirded out by the whole concept of hypnosis. It's just a relaxed state of focused concentration where the mother relaxes her body so that more oxygenated blood can flow to her uterus and to her baby. And she can focus and concentrate, bringing more, more breath and using the sound and the rhythm of her breath and using positive thinking and affirmations to help her to help her do what the animal body does naturally. Mm-hmm. It's really not that complicated. So as I started to to teach that I saw a huge improvement in, you know, in the the outcomes that people wanted. And as time went on with that, I realized that I could conserve my energy even more. Oh yeah, that's true. Because you know, obviously if a mother is screaming and writhing and miserable, then, you know, as a doula, I had to work a lot harder to like help her stay 
focused and keep going and doing what she's doing. But the hypnobirthing, people became a lot more self-directed and a lot more autonomous, which was very, very helpful. So after about a year of doing that, I realized that there was more that was needed. And so I became a hypnotherapist at that point. And then I became a depth hypnosis practitioner. And the depth hypnosis made an enormous difference in terms of my being able to manage my own energy system and my being able to track the energy in the birth environment because there's a lot of shenanigans that go on in the birth environment. You mean like if you're in the hospital or in more so in the hospital, yeah. less so at a home birth, yeah. but there are a lot of people running their own personal power issues, so you know, true. in the hospital environment or at a, in a birth environment. There's a lot of people who get a sense of strength and power from the actual birth mm. and, or from that experience of coming in and saving the day and helping things. Mm. And, and there are so many interventions that occur, not because the mother and the baby need it, but because there's a protocol, there's an insurance policy, there's a staffing issue, there's an, someone has an opinion, mm -hmm. you know, about probably about 75% of what takes place in a hospital birth is not based on medical evidence. Only about 25% of what goes on in the hospital birth is based on medical evidence. And I'm a big, you know, I'm an East Coast Jew. I like, you know, I, I'm like, give me the evidence. Yeah. Help me understand what's happening physically, what's happening emotionally, what's happening psychologically like on all fronts. And let's put that together to create an experience that supports what is going on for that woman on, you know, of course the word holistic is overused these days, but it's a whole being. Mm -hmm. And most birth environments are not addressing the whole person. The staff doesn't know that woman personally. Yeah. They don't know her history. They don't know her belief system. They don't know what happened to her last week. They don't know about her childhood. They don't know anything. And so it's a, as one of my, uh, somebody that I know that works at a very popular hospital in San Francisco said to me, she said, it's, she said, it's an algorithm. She said, this is somebody who works at the hospital and she catches babies. That's what she does for a living. And she's been doing it for 15 years. Mm -hmm. She said, we, it's an algorithm and we got to get them in and we got to get it out, get them out because we don't have enough space. We're, I mean, it's, it's something. So, you I know, I can remember like, because I did end up with mm, all the interventions. Mm -hmm. So I got the epidural, which led to Pitocin, which led to me needing to be on oxygen, which led to her heartbeat dropping, which led to potential infection. And the other thing that I noticed with the, hospital staff is once the intervention started, it was very disconnecting for them. They treated me like less like a person. Like I look back on it and it's sad. Like I feel sad for them too, because they did not, in any other situation at that hospital, everything is really wonderful. The nurses who had to monitor me, do this, put that back on, make me wear the oxygen mask, all that. They're like, they were not, they were not warm. It was not, and I, I get it. It's like they're doing a process instead of being able to use their own intuition and skills and care for a person in that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just, just reminded of the amount of empathy, right? Like the people who are working in those environments and the stress that they're under and how 
hard it is to do those jobs. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I think just, you know, coming back to your, your original question about like managing the whole thing right, and right. the output and the energy, it was the depth hypnosis that allowed me to pull back from draining myself and helped me to be resourced in a different way that was not dependent on external factors. So, yeah. So that's I be- awesome. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's pretty amazing. And that's why I became a depth hypnosis practitioner, a depth hypnosis therapist, because yeah. I just saw how how I really needed to go inside myself in a different way. And I still have to practice that. It's yeah. very easy to get pulled out. Right. Here we are. You've you've become a yoga teacher. You've decided to focus on prenatal yoga. You've started teaching childbirth classes. You started doulaing, mm-hmm. hypnotherapy, depth hypnosis, right? The lineup, yeah. And then at some point, you dropped the doulaing away because it was all just too many jobs and too much. The the doula world was it was on call twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah, and. I, my body being up and all that stress of when am I going to go to a birth and how long am I going to be awake? I actually got an autoimmune disease. Yeah. Uh, so I had to drop that. Yeah. And I got fat. <laughs> You're being hard <laughs> on yourself. To, I had to stop. I had to stop that. <laughs> um, do you feel like looking back, I mean, looking back as we talk about it, it's like it all fits together so nicely. All of the things that you do complement each other. Like you said, one piece of your business, being a prenatal teacher, fed into the other, being a doula, fed back around. Did you have any sense that that would be the case as you started studying these things? Or did you just follow your passion? It was like some, it just think each thing just came next. It just came next. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, the interesting thing is, you know, people always ask me, you know, like, wow, you do all these different things. And it sounds like I do these different things. Oh, I teach yoga. I teach childbirth classes. I'm a depth hypnosis therapist. Like they sound different. They're, they all stem from exactly the same thing, which mm-hmm. all comes from yoga. I mean, yoga is, I mean, yoga is the core of all of it, which is yoga is the practice of presence. That's nice. it. That's what I'm teaching is mm-hmm. how to be present so that you know yourself and you can follow your own you know, fluctuations and needs, because when you tend to your own needs, you're contributing to the world. (laughs) So true. Yeah. I had this therapist a long time ago who used to say to me, get your needs met, get your needs met. And it was really frustrating because I didn't know how, Mm -hmm. and I didn't really even know what they were. And I, I felt a little bit admonishing at the time and no, that was not his intention, but it took a self-awareness practice, a self-study practice, the practice of yoga and meditation for me to get to that place of like, oh, I have a Vata type constitution. <laughs> that's why I'm so X, Y, Z. You know, that's why like I get so excited about things and then I get so tired. 
like so burned out Mm -hmm. because I spend all my energy in this crazy way. Or, you know, I'm an introvert. Like I really need long periods of solitude. Meditation to me always feels like a balm. It doesn't Mm. feel like an obligation. It feels like the most luxurious vacation I could ever take because (laughs) talking and interacting is actually pretty challenging for me. So yeah, that's, I mean, I, I feel what you're saying. It just resonates deeply. Yeah. It's all, it's all connected. You know, everything that I, that I do is really connected and, you know, it's interesting because I feel, I feel myself in a life transition now, you know, I'm, I'm 45 now and it's been, you know, 20 years, you know, 20 years in this, you know, realm of career and, and I feel a transition coming, coming, but I don't know exactly what it is. You know, I've been like waiting for, you know, oh, what's the next thing that's going to come? And the yoga is teaching me how to allow, you know, how to be, how to be patient and how to wait and not push. You know, it's like I teach in my childbirth classes. I'm like, if you're like, don't push, yeah. you know, if you're asked, if you're like, should I push now? Is it time to push? <laughs> no. eventually your body is going to hurl your baby out of your body, you know, at a force that is, that you cannot stop and you cannot control. So just wait for that. Yeah. You know, just wait for that. And and I keep having to tell myself, I mean, I use childbirth education. What I teach in my childbirth classes there, I I teach childbirth education and, and birth techniques and, you know, with a hypnosis, with a hypnosis foundation and, you know, but I self hypnosis foundation, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah using yeah. self hypnosis. Yeah. And, you know, and I use those techniques all the time. It's a, it's a life techniques class. And when I say to myself, Oh, okay, Rachel, don't, don't push, don't push. How do I ease back? How do I stop striving and know that there is a, a divine unfolding here? I can't believe I just said that. No, that's so nice though. <laughs> it's, it's so nice. Yeah. Yeah. And that it's, that when things are ready to be revealed, then they start to show up. And yoga teaches me, you know, teaches me more, you know, more and more of that. And yeah. it's still, it's such, it's a constant practice. Yeah. It's a constant practice to not push. Oh my God. Huge. Yes. I'm going to actually write this that down after this conversation because <laughs> it's, it's really should be my lesson right now. Are there aspects of <clears throat> self-hypnosis that you bring into your yoga teaching, like that you teach. Yeah. How do you, how do you do that? How do you incorporate that? (laughs) That's so fun. I love that you asked me that. Um, in all of my classes, in all of my yoga classes, I always have a theme for the class. And because to me, asana, it gets a little boring for me. (laughs) It's like, how, how much can I talk about this folding forward and this femur bone and this whatever? Like it's, it's not that fun for me. Mm -hmm. So I love the emotional, spiritual, psychological components of you know, life. And so in every class, I have a particular theme. And I really help people in the yoga practice get into a more meditative, it's it's a cross between meditation and hypnosis, but help them get into a much more relaxed, that, that's, that's what yoga is. This is so funny about it. It's that yoga, if you are practicing rhythmic breathing, and you are concentrating on yourself and you're aware of the fluctuations of your mind and you keep bringing yourself back into the moment, right? That's meditation, mm-hmm. right? So that's what yoga is. And then if you can really get into that zone and you start engaging the mind more intentionally with thoughts, 
visions of what you want to experience. So for example, I might in a, in a class, a theme of a class might be about loving yourself. So I'll get in, I'll start a practice that is really focused on breathing, working with pranayama to, you know, quiet the mind. And then as we're going through the practice, we're using some kind of affirmation saying to yourself, I love you, or placing your hand on your heart and, or smiling as if you are in love. Like, you know, when you, you've like falling in love with somebody, like yeah. smile at them with your batty <laughs> eyelashes. And, um, so we'll do, you know, I'll do that in the class to create a very focused constant state of concentration. And so that when people leave the class, it's not like they just like got their stretching and strengthening and uh, that part of the practice, but they are actually cultivating something that they are want that they're seeking. Mm. Nice. That does that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, does that makes sense. Yeah. And it's like I manifestation love... practice. <laughs> yes, it's like a manifestation practice. Yeah. But it's also it allows for whatever is arising. Right. So I'm very conscientious about not playing whack-a-mole with the emotions. You know, the game whack-a-mole yeah, at the yeah, carnival, yeah. the little the little mole pops up and you bop yeah. it down and you yeah. know they keep bopping up and you keep bopping it down. And a lot of people play whack-a-mole with their emotions. And they actually, even in yoga, they they get frustrated and they're like, don't feel frustrated. Whack-a-mole down. Whack-a-mole my frustration. And yeah. then like, you know, two seconds later, they're like, I, I'm in bliss and I, now I'm grasping onto the bliss, but now they're thinking, now I'm grasping, so I'll whack them all my grasping. <laughs> and, you know, it's this funny, it's, I mean, it's humorous. So I'm a, I'm a big proponent of, as my teacher, one of my dear teachers, Matt Kahn, who's a real YouTube presence, you know, he wrote the book, Whatever Arises, Love That. And his whole teaching is not only about self-love, but that whatever is arising is here to help you. And rather than whack-a-moling that thing that's arising, that instead you turn to it and you say, oh, fear, thank you. I love you. I, I thank you for trying to help me. When frustration, I, oh, frustration, you're here because you're trying to support me in some way. I, I see you're here to help me. Mm -hmm. And you're not loving the frustration in order to get rid of it. You're loving it because there's a part of you that need, that is frustrated. And the part that is frustrated needs more love, not less. Mm. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I really, you know, in my yoga classes, in my childbirth classes, I don't teach women in childbirth to not have doubt. Yeah. I teach them that when doubt arises, that the part of you that is doubting needs, is just saying, I need to be loved. I need your attention. Totally. So you give it so much love. Oh, doubt, I see you and I hear you and I totally get why you would be feeling doubtful. You know, you don't know when this baby's going to come out. You don't know how much longer it's going to take. You don't know how much more intense it's going to get. Yeah. I love you. Thank you so much for helping me. Thank you so much. But right now we need to focus and concentrate because our baby needs us. Yeah. Right? Our baby needs us and our baby really needs you to relax and breathe. And you can doubt, but you can also know that the, the baby's going to come out. Yeah. The baby is going to come out. Right. One way or another. Yeah. The baby's going to come out. So you can, it's okay. You're okay. It's a totally different quality than, okay, I'm not going to doubt anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm going like, to distract myself or I'm going right. to pretend, you know, gloss over yes. or I'm going to stuff it. Stuff it down. Stuff it down. Stuff it down. Because <laughs> whack-a-mole. Whack-a-mole, you stuff it down, oh, it pops back up gosh. when your hip goes out on you or when you start getting a migraine yeah. or, right? Like. Right. That's what happens when we stuff our feelings.
is that's what Gabor Mate, you know, Gabor, do you know Gabor Mate's work? He's the doctor who does a ton, he does a ton of research about what the root causes of illness are. And he's incredible. And he says the root cause of all illness is repressed anger. And he's done all these studies and interviewed millions, you know, not millions, but thousands of people. And one of his books that was so transformative for me was When the Body Says No, Hmm. Gabor Mate, G-A-B-O-R-M-A-T-E. And that was like, oh, right. The body speaks. Yeah. I just finished The Telomere Effect, which is a book all about, do you know what telomeres are? No. Oh my God, you're going to love this. Oh my gosh. And I don't think I'm going to define it exactly correctly because I'm not a scientist, but I mean, the telomeres are essentially at the end of your DNA strands. They are these what she describes them as like, if you look at a shoelace and there's that little plastic cap at the end, that's kind of the way your telomeres relate Mm -hmm. to your DNA. And they, and if your telomeres are longer, studies have shown that you live longer. And if your telomeres are shorter, you, you don't live as long. And there are things that you do in your life throughout your life that can either maintain or shorten your telomeres. So she has a whole chapter on psychology and emotions and that not acknowledging feelings shortens telomeres. Yes. It's amazing. It totally, totally it's amazing. Yes. Yeah. So you recently moved out of the Bay Area. Dang it. After all <laughs> these years of living here, you moved to Charleston, South Carolina. I can't believe I just went public on that. No I, one really knows. <laughs> I know. It like just happened. I know. I have not been announcing that. Well, that's exciting. And you're here, you're actually here in San Francisco right now because you're still coming back to teach your childbirth classes, but that will not potentially always be the case, right? I I love teaching here, coming here, and I want to see my friends. And and so it will, it will become a little bit more spaced out, you know, where I'm, where I'm in Charleston, South Carolina. Did we say Charleston? Yeah, I think I did. Yeah. Where I'm in Charleston, you know, maybe six weeks, six to eight weeks at a time. And then I come back to San Francisco to teach. Yeah. You've constructed this whole career, this multi-pronged career. How do you move it across the country with you? That is a very good question, Andrea. (laughs) Still figuring it out. I'm still figuring that out. Um, I want to share this because, because I know that there are a lot of people out there who have instinct or intuition about something that is really hard to follow. So people, you know, are asking me, you know, well, why, why did you move? And I say, I don't know. Mm. I truly, I don't know. I just, things were not going in the direction that I wanted them to go. I just didn't, as I, you know, jokingly, I hope it's okay to say this, but I just like, I couldn't get it up for San Francisco anymore. (laughs) It just was felt too expensive and too crowded and, you know, and I'm single. And so I wasn't able to, afford the kind of place that I really wanted to live. And, and I said, you know, I need a change. I've been here 25 years and I really need a change. And I didn't know what that meant. And so I, I actually consulted an astro cartographer. It's so woo woo. It's so <laughs> over the top woo woo. And for those that don't know, an astro cartographer is a astrology and mapping. And I gave him my birth date, time and location. And he proceeded to do an astrology reading for me that was like, it was like he went inside my body and told me things about me that only I know, Nice, which was amazing. I could give a shout out for him. His name is Scott Wolfram, W-O-L-F-R-A-M. And is he local to here or did you just find him on the internet? No, I found him on the internet. And of course, 
after my session with him, I have met people who have worked with him, oh, wow. who have followed his guidance, and have said it was the best thing they ever did. Good. That happened at like three random parties. That's what you want to hear. I know. You don't totally. want to hear it's the worst thing they I ever know. did. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so anyway, I did this astrocartography, and when he said Charleston, my body just sort of lit up. You know, he said... Uh, Kansas City, Missouri. And I was like, Missouri, what am I going to do in Missouri? Like, I mean, maybe there are listeners in Missouri, but, but I was like, for me, I need water. I yeah. need, you know, like there were a lot of things that I needed. It just didn't resonate with me. Sure. When he said, you know, Bar Harbor, Maine, I was like, that sounds beautiful, but really cold. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's really cold for me. And it's like probably, you know, great for somebody else, but not great for me. And when he said, when he said Kauai, which I went to visit Kauai, and you think, oh, Kauai. I went there, and after five days, I was like, this girl needs cashmere. There's no cashmere, <laughs> right? There's no cashmere in, yeah. in Kauai. There's no jeans and closed-toed shoes in, you know, in yeah. Kauai. And I, and I didn't want to live there. So when he, when he said Charleston, my body lit up, and I went for a couple of visits, and everything just sort of felt really easy, and I packed up and moved. Yeah. So as I'm there... I am trying to decide, you know, do I want to do my work there? Do I want to teach yoga there? Do I want to teach childbirth classes there? Do I want to do depth hypnosis? And what I am finding is that after being kind of like a big fish in a big pond, I don't want to be a small fish in a small pond. Hmm. And so what I, what I'm doing is I'm really, I'm transferring all my work to online. Oh, okay. So as I travel back, I mean, I'm traveling back and forth to San Francisco because I love it and I want to keep teaching my students and I have, you know, a really strong following here for my classes and for my practice. But I live stream people into my childbirth classes and then I'll be teaching classes, live, childbirth classes. My yes to birth, my, um, I, lo I love the name of it's my business. Name. It's yeah. yes to birth because that's what I teach is how to go towards it and yeah. not pull away from it. So I'll be teaching my live on, online class, my, my live online classes and continuing. I, most of my depth hypnosis clients are on Zoom video conference now. So I do, it's amazing. I that do, is amazing I that you can do depth that Depth hypnosis Zoom. on video. I just, they got to lay on their bed or on the couch wow. alone and it's perfect. It's amazing. Yeah. So the birth classes. Yeah. So like you can sign up. And then can you sign up at any time and then it starts from the beginning for you? Or do they have to sign up like when the people, live people are taking your classes? Well, there's two, there's, there's two different options. So one option is that they sign up for when the people in San Francisco are taking the class. Yeah. And I zoom them in That's while, so, so I have, like right now I have, you know, I have 15 couples in the room Yeah. and people zoom in. So they're on yeah. the computer while I'm teaching. Uh -huh. And they, if I said, does anyone have any questions? And I see somebody raises their hand. I look at the computer and I see someone raises their hand. I unmute them. I unmute them and they ask their question, which is great. And then, but what I'm also doing, which I'm excited about because I'm going to be teaching more sporadically in San Francisco is I'm actually going to open it up and do a live online class that are shorter in length, like on a Sunday. So people in New York, can participate people in california can participate any time zone yeah literally from hawaii to new york will be able to participate on a sunday where i do you know five or six sessions for two for two to two and a half hours each and they get the full childbirth class they get my audio relaxation program but it and if they have to miss a class it's recorded and they can just watch it between that session and the next yeah oh that's good so that's really exciting i'm very excited do you about that. do you feel like your class could also be really good this system of doing the live streaming could be good for women who are on bed rest 
Oh, totally. I mean, because that's tough when you're totally. on bed rest. And you, that would be so nice to have that connection mm-hmm. from your bed with yes. other people who are in the same, you know, similar situation as yes. you. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. And I'm also starting to, um, one thing I'm really excited about is I just hired hired someone. She actually happens to be my sister to do postpartum family engagement classes. And those are also going to be live online. It's an eight-week series for um, postpartum, it's usually postpartum women. I would have loved that. So it's an hour and a half on Wednesdays (sighs) for women, either if their baby's awake, then their baby's with them. And if not, and it's an amazing eight-week series that is totally aligned with the yes to birth philosophy in terms of parenting. Now, I am definitely no parent and no parent expert, but um, my, my the the woman that I've hired, who I said is my sister, Devorah Fish is her name. She is uh, she's been a family educator for you know masters in education and and as a family educator, she was a doula, she was a hypnobirthing teacher, she is a coach. She's absolutely amazing, and she's one of the funniest people I know. Yeah. So people will be able to take those to take those live online and I'll make a guest appearance to teach a little segment on nutrition and for oh postpartum my gosh. And... I literally could have used that I'm so mm-hmm. happy that you are doing this yeah I struggled so much in the first eight weeks of my child's life and I, I did relatively well like I was able to be like I'm struggling it's gonna be okay it's gonna get better but if I had had anyone who had any experience and wasn't like a family member who I was afraid totally. was going to judge me or, you know, a colleague who I was just didn't feel comfortable talking to, or even like my really good friends who'd already had yeah. kids. If I had had someone in that space to just be like, you're, it's totally fine. You're doing great. You're doing fine. It would have helped me so much. Yeah. And the thing that, you know, that, that we are really focused on in you know, in the kind of yes to birth model and then with Devorah teaching these family, this family engagement piece is about the wisdom of the child and that we have so much input about how we should do it and what's right and what's wrong, as opposed to recognizing that our babies have, they teach us what they need it's and they show us so what they true. need. It's so true. And we, the, the biggest challenge is getting out of the way to actually listen to the wisdom of this divine being who is just knows what, knows exactly. They have no issues knowing when they're hungry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, they're, they're it's amazing. so true. I, my mom said to me last week, you're such a good mom. You're such a good mom to her. And I said, I learned how to be a good mom to her. I, in the beginning, tried to force my way of how I th- thought things should be and the way things should go and the schedules and the this and the that. And the, I wanted everything to be all neat and tidy. And that is not how she functions. And I learned and it was, I felt some external pressure too, for her to be a certain way, for me to be a certain way. I, I agree with that. I think that, yeah, we're, we're all special little snowflakes and we need to, <laughs> we need to appreciate that. Okay. Two questions. I first of all remembered a question that I forgot a couple minutes ago, but I'm going to save that one for last. How can people find out about when you launch that program with Devorah? Is, do you have a newsletter? So we just launched it to only people who've already taken my childbirth classes for the first for the first series. Okay. And then it's going to be on my website and it will be posted on the website and it'll run pretty much. We're going to see how it goes. And then hopefully what we're going to do is that every group that starts after the eight-week series they will want to continue and she will provide another series for that group mm. so they can develop like a real relationship and have other women to go through 
these years. The milestones. That's mm-hmm. nice. That's nice. So hopefully what will happen is that it will become robust and we'll start a group probably, you know, every, you know, every month. So people from all over can, you know, can take it and we can, they'll, they'll sign up for whatever works for them. So okay. that will be on my website. My website is either yes to birth.com or rachelyellen.com. Yeah. And you will put it in your newsletter, right? Oh, I definitely will put it. I will, yes. Yeah. <laughs> of course yeah. I will put it in my yeah, newsletter. Yeah. yeah. So I remembered a question that I had a few minutes ago. It's not, it's not totally a question. And that is basically you started teaching and creating this career for yourself before social media. I think that people now feel pressured by social media. They feel like they need to be spending more time there, building a following. They also feel pressure because they're just more yoga teachers than yeah. there used to be. What is your advice for these you know, young people trying to piece it all together the way that you have? That is a very challenging question for me to answer because I am so not uh, a social, I'm so not oriented in that way. And I have an opinion about the ways in which social media creates a particular image or a facade and is a source of connection in so many ways, but also a source of disconnection in so many ways. So I just want to really encourage yoga teachers or just, I guess yoga teachers, that's who you're, you're asking about. Yeah. Yeah. To just to have a balance, to really have a balance with what it is that you love to do that puts you in relationship, right? Keep putting you in relationship in the real world and being authentic in your social media communication about what really is occurring in your evolution. People, you know, I'm, I'm guessing that like half the listeners here are like happy that I talked about my vagina, <laughs> you know, like it's so real. It's so authentic. Yeah. And that we, if yoga teachers can be very real about their experience, I'm having a flashback of, I remember the first time that I saw Janet McLeod eat potato chips. Oh my gosh, you've told me about that. I know. <laughs> I, I remember this because, I, you know, oh, she's a yoga teacher and, you know, she's, you know, on the, pe- the pedestal and she must be so organic or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I remember seeing her eating potato chips and kind of being like mortified, like she's not perfect, yeah. you know, and what a powerful impact that was and how important it is to be yourself and to be real and not to make your social media pages look like every pose is perfect, you know, to... That's what I have to say about that is, you know, authenticity. And some of you, I'm sure, know Brene Brown's work, you know, Brene Brown, the researcher and storyteller. So funny. I just posted on my Instagram, like, I wish I could have an interview with Brene Brown. Uh, Anyway, go ahead. Brene. (laughs) Um, You know, all about being vulnerable. And that's, you know, we all are just, you know, I I mean, I joke. It's like, we're all a bunch of like five-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds running around in these adult bodies acting like we know things. (laughs) And we don't. And the more we say, like, I don't know, Mm -hmm. or that was really hard for me, or, you know, like, I was a badass. I was awesome. Like, all the authenticity from I'm amazing and fabulous to I was a jackass, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Is, you know, that's that. And I do, and I do find that in terms of my success, that is one of the things that people have often told me. They said, you know, in my childbirth classes, you know, they say, you know, thank you so much for sharing so authentically. Thank you. You know, it's so real. Like, oh, Rachel, she's so real. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and I think that that has been extremely helpful, not to overshare and make my classes about me, but 
to share enough that people understand that, you know, you can be doing something for many, many, many years and still be struggling and still have your doubts or your shame or whatever it is. And that being able to say it yeah. and to acknowledge it and then, you know, love what arises is what helps, you know, bring you to peace within yeah. yourself. I like it. Yeah. I like it. I think that was a great answer. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, hon. You're I love welcome. you. You're welcome. I love you. It's amazing. <laughs> there, you know, there's something else, if you don't mind, that I just wanted to, oh, sure. to say that I'm really excited about. And I hope this isn't like too much of a, you know, me telling people about something that I'm offering. But I have started making audio relaxation recordings for people who are not pregnant and those are going to be on my on my website. And I just recorded, I was in Charleston and I, I just recorded a, um, a new little three track album. And one of them is, is called uh, Meditation Made Easy. One is called Bye Bye Anxiety. And the other is Go Love Yourself, which I think is a funny title. That was cute. <laughs> <laughs> so there'll be a lot more of those rolling out. And I just really want to encourage people to love themselves and to take care of themselves. And it's, there's so many little things, of course, that everyone is doing with their nutrition and their yoga and, and using, using these, you know, short little meditations or short, you know, audios can be so incredibly supportive to just waking up in the morning and, you know, doing a few yoga postures and then doing the bye-bye anxiety, the pranayama practice, and it can completely transform your day. Yeah. So little bits, you yeah. know, little bits here and there. Um, so I wanted to make, make those, make that offering. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I'll put links to all of your stuff on the show notes page. Awesome, girl. Thank you. I got you. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Rachel. <laughs> all right. Bye. put links to all of Rachel's wonderful offerings up on the show notes page, which you can find at yogalandpodcast.com slash episode 106. Thank you so much to Daniel Schaefer and Erica Rodefer Winters who helped me produce this podcast. And thank you to you for listening. Oh, and thank you for your iTunes reviews last week. I got so many and I just so appreciate it. If you have not yet left a rating or a review and you're really enjoying the podcast, please do so. It helps so very much. Until next week, enjoy your practice. Mm-hmm.